You either love them or you hate them. Either way, welcome to the Away Fixture, your home for all things Premier League. I'm your host, Dakota Rock, coming at you from the Away section for stadiums across England. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to week three. I don't know about you guys, but what a very exciting first week we had within the Premier League. 23 goals scored, five clean sheets, and a lot of promise for what's to come. So to get into this episode real quick, let's get into it now. Give you all a rundown of this episode. We're going to look at my surprises of the week, the goal of the week, what's wrong with West Ham, and as promised, a deeper look into Everton versus Spurs. So to get started, let's look at my biggest surprises. I got two surprises that I really wanted to touch on here that kind of stood out to me. I know a lot of people can sit there and say, oh, Leeds was a surprise or Jack Harrison was a surprise or whatever you want to say. But to me, those really weren't big surprises. You saw Leeds in the championship playing exciting attacking football. You saw Jack Harrison playing really good football. So those two really don't surprise me at all. And the result they got against Liverpool, while it's deserving, I think they could have gone for more and could have gotten more. So my biggest surprise this week was Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz brought in a lot of hype surrounding him into this Chelsea team. 90 million pounds from Leverkusen. When you pay 90 million pounds for for a player, you're expecting a lot from them. You're expecting him to get on the ball a lot. You're expecting him to create chances, score goals, take shots, especially a midfielder and attacking midfielder like Kai Havertz. The problem though with Kai Havertz against Brighton though was the fact that he wasn't getting on the ball enough. He looked lost in that midfield, whether it was the formation they were playing or the fact that he hasn't been with the team long enough to get used to playing with those guys. But to me, Kai Havertz did not look like a player worth 90 million pounds. Got 35 touches on the ball. You're playing Brighton. Brighton finished 15th in the table last year. Granted, this Brighton team did look much improved. But I mean, you're still, you're playing for a Chelsea side that has world-class players. And you're a world-class player yourself. You just got purchased for 90 million pounds and you're only getting 35 touches on the ball, one chance created, and he had zero shots, guys. 78 minutes of playing time and that's all you can create for a player worth 90 million pounds? I'm not saying Kai Havertz isn't going to live up to his name and live up to all the hype, but in week one, you, you just didn't get it from a promising young guy like Kai Havertz and somebody who you expected to be good and expected to do more than what he showed. That's just my take, but I was just expecting a lot more from Kai Havertz and the hype that surrounded him coming from Leverkusen to Chelsea. So especially against a team like Brighton, where a player of his caliber should be able to have a field day with that. Another player who I thought was a surprise, and maybe I don't know if a lot of other people did, but to me, he was a big surprise, and it came from the same game, the Chelsea-Brighton game, but it was Tariq Lamptey from Brighton, 19 years of age, got sold by Chelsea before the start of the 1920 season. Last year, he only made eight appearances for Brighton. I mean, that guy looked, that kid looked very promising that it, on Monday night. He looked like a bright spot for Brighton playing on the right wing, taking on defenders, beating them 1v1 to create chances. Let's not talk about leaving Zuma with a present that he surely won't forget anytime soon inside the six-yard box near the end of the first half. But I mean, this kid was a surprise to me. This kid, I I honestly haven't heard of him. Only playing five, eight games for Brighton 
I don't think a lot of other people have either unless they're from Brighton or they look in depth at 19 year old players and young players but surely I'm sure this came as a surprise to some people coming off with an assist as well on the goal that tied the game at ones before Chelsea taking it into another gear in the second half but I thought Tariq Lamptey was a big surprise very bright spot with Brighton I'm very intrigued to see how the rest of his year goes for him I think he's definitely one to keep your eye on after seeing what I saw against Chelsea on Monday night. So we're not leaving that game quite yet. We're going to stick around the Chelsea-Brighton game for the goal of the week, in my opinion. I think there can be a lot of debate about the goal of the week this weekend. I think you can throw Raul Jimenez's goal against Sheffield on Monday afternoon into the mix, into the discussion. What a beautiful goal that was to wait patiently for that ball across, to get the body shape correct, to put that ball in the back of the net was beautiful. I think you can talk about Wilfred Zaha's goal against Southampton for Crystal Palace on Saturday. I think you can throw Aubameyang's goal in there from Saturday against Fulham. What all beautiful goals, but my goal of the week happened Monday night in the Chelsea Brighton game. Reese James, what a strike from outside the 18, puts it top bins. Jorginho plays it square to him across the 18. Reese James takes a touch, opening his body, and screams it into the top corner. Top bins for you, Reese James. And what a way to score your first Premier League goal. I mean, my goodness, what a goal that was. I think that caught everybody's attention. So that's what I'm going with for my goal of the week. Reese James, congratulations on the away fixtures. First ever goal of the week. Hope, hope to see some more soon from you. So now we're getting into it. West Ham now do a little discussion here so I went to Twitter and I went to Instagram to ask my followers what topics they would love for me to cover this weekend from this weekend and one of the questions I was asked came from my man Dylan over at beach soccer full-on beach soccer if you have any interest in beach soccer or looking to learn about it make sure to go check out his podcast on Spotify and Apple he has amazing guests and you can learn all about beach soccer from him but he sent me a question today. Part of it, part of his question was about a Jaimez Rodriguez analysis from the Everton game against Spurs, which I'll get into later. But his second part of the question was, so he's a West Ham fan. West Ham lost to Newcastle over the weekend 2-0. And his question to me was, what does West Ham need after losing to Newcastle this weekend? So thank you, Dylan. Big shouts for the big question. But let's get into it. West Ham certainly didn't get the season going the way they wanted to. They've lost the past four opening day games. They were looking to break that streak. Unfortunately, it just did not happen for them. Losing 2-0 to Newcastle in the opening weekend at the Olympic Stadium. But who else to score the goal for Newcastle but Colin Wilson scoring his eighth goal in the last nine meetings against West Ham. It wasn't going to be anybody but Colin Wilson, let's be honest here. Then Jeff Hendricks, a newly signed player for Newcastle as well, on a free transfer, pushed the dagger further into the back of West Ham, making it 2-0 for the final score. So as I was watching this squad, this West Ham squad this past weekend, this team is a team of mystery. I think it's a team that you sit back and you're wondering, well, they have this, they have that, but they can't do this or can't do that. So from what I gathered from the game, what I've seen from this West Ham team, and you've kind of seen it over and over again, you see West Ham 
have good players into the attack. They produced some quality chances during this match, including a couple that went off the framework. But it's a tale of two sides. You have a front line who can produce chances, but you have a back line who can't seem to stop giving up goals. You have a back line of Cresswell, Diop, Obanya, and Fredericks. I mean, this back line was getting exposed and looked very weak against this Newcastle attack of Alan St. Mackamin was having a day with Fredericks on the left side, while on the other side, Cresswell was not looking much of a match against Makinho either. And then you got your center backs in Diop and Obanya, and they weren't much to desire either. Colin Wilson's goal came after a miscommunication of who step in which left Wilson with loads of space around him in the six for an easy tap-in. Maybe not an easy tap-in, but when you're that wide open, anything looks easy from there. And then the second goal coming from Hendricks also gained his Newcastle debut goal on what was a beauty into the top left corner from the right side, but only after Cresswell didn't step up to cover the space with inside the 18, leaving Hendricks the easy option to shoot. When you're inside the 18 as a defender, you're closing space down for the attacker. You're not letting them have any easy shots, and that's just not what Cresswell was doing. I don't know if Cresswell was too tired from getting abused by Makinho all night or what, but Cresswell's got to step in that situation and close that down, leave but it just left Hendricks with too much base. Hendricks knew exactly what to do with it and puts it top bins on the left side. So that's where I'm looking at if I'm looking to improve this West Ham team. And from the looks of it, it's going to be another relegation battle that could be brewing down there in London at the Olympic Stadium. And the fans are already getting it started. So I was reading and fans actually showed up to Olympic Stadium after the game on Saturday night against... Newcastle and started protesting their unhappiness to the board and to the coaches. I mean, they have every right to do so. I mean, when they first moved into Olympic Stadium, it was talked about how Olympic Stadium was the perfect situation, a perfect place to host Champions League games. And right now, you're barely hosting top flight Premier League games. You're in a relegation battle, it seems, year after year. So if I'm looking to improve this West Ham team, I'm definitely looking into the defense. That back line has a lot to be desired. Some quality sign, a quality signing here. And at any position, especially center back, I think could especially help this team. Diop's really young. Diop has the experience, but he's still so young. I'm not really sure about Abongna, but one player in that back line with a lot of leadership and a lot of experience and a quality signing can possibly really make the difference when it comes to this situation in West Ham. I mean, the easy goal from Callum Wilson could have been solved with so much as you step here, I'm stepping there, and you just didn't get that, which is very concerning if you're a West Ham fan looking into this team. And even as a David Moyes, you're looking at that and you're going, well, what the hell's going on? I mean, you talk about it and you emphasize it as a coach. Talk, especially when you're inside the 18, inside the six. And at that point, at a very crucial time in the game, you get none of it. So Dylan, thanks for the question. Um, would love to discuss this a little further with you if you want. Hope that answers your question. But that's where I'm looking for improving this West Ham team. So now with a little drum roll, the moment you've all been waiting for, as promised, I'm going to dive into Spurs versus Everton from Sunday a little more. 
which ended up a one nothing result for Everton. I thought that was a very good result for Everton. But if you're a Spurs fan, this game had to have left you disappointed and a tad bit pessimistic about this season unless things are done and shown that this team will compete. From this opening week game, I would not be counting on Europe next year, guys. From the first from the first whistle through the first 20 minutes, it looked all Everton as they passed the ball around what looked like to be a lackluster Tottenham side playing typical old man Mourinho style soccer. Sit back, wait for the ball, figure out the Everton side, and then you attack it. It took 20 minutes for Tottenham to even get into this game, it seemed. A lot of the first 20 minutes, Everton had the ball within the offensive half, and they just were passing around like ease. No pressure from the Tottenham midfield, in my opinion. In my opinion, the only thing that really stood out to me on this Tottenham side was the play of Sun on the left side down there. He got him behind the Everton defense a couple times, got him behind Seamus Coleman, but really couldn't produce anything on the goal or create any big time chances. Tottenham, once they got their feet under them, it looked a more open game, but it took them 20 minutes to get that going. If you're sitting back for the first 20 minutes, especially against a side like Arsenal or Chelsea or City, Liverpool even, you're going to get punished in those first 20 minutes if you don't figure it out. Luckily, Everton had the chances. They had control of the game, but luckily they just couldn't finish or figure anything out to get in on goal. Everton scoring in the 55th minute, though, was definitely a sore sight to see for the Tottenham faithful. After the goal, it was big in the question what urgency the Tottenham side would show but not until the 75th minute did you see a true sense of urgency to get the goal back, which proved too little too late, as even then Pickford was never truly tested with anything where you can sit down and say that had me sweating a little bit. Tottenham sure have some questions to answer and some negotiate and do in the transfer market for a striker, in my opinion. We'll get into that a little later, but right now let's break down the Everton side a bit further. So Carlos Ancelotti and Everton made it clear this summer that they meant business coming into this 2021 season and looking to push for European competition next year, which Everton fans haven't seen in a while. It's It's been a while since Everton has seen even a sniff of European football, and that's what Carlo Ancelotti and Everton are looking to bring the fans and looking to bring to Maryside sooner rather than later, and with the signing as signings of Jaime Rodriguez, Allen, and Decora, they certainly will look to do that. And it certainly didn't take them long to find their form within this team. All three of them started within the midfield for Everton against Tottenham. Jaimez playing on the right looked as comfortable as we've seen him in a while. This isn't Jaimez's first go-round with Ancelotti as his manager, though, either. Jaimez was under Ancelotti at both Madrid and Bayern when he was on loan to Bayern before coming to Everton. Ancelotti must see something in James that the other managers did not because James has Jaimez has only played in more than 50% of his available minutes once within the past five seasons. So that's going to be a big question going forward with Jaimez and this Ancelotti and the Everton side is how much are we going to see Jaimez playing for Everton going forward? 
And Jaimez wasted no time in showing why the manager brought him into this Everton side. Everton played in what looked to be a 4-2-3-1 with Jaimez on the right side of the three midfielders sitting right behind Calvert-Lewin who rounded out the team as the front man. With Jaimez being a left-footed player, this position suits him and his abilities perfectly. And as we saw multiple times in the game, especially the first half, Jaimez seemed to always have the ball on a string once he cut it inside and then crossed the ball to Rick Carlson on the left-hand side for Everton, who gave Tottenham new signing Matt Doherty all kinds of trouble for 90 minutes, where Carlson by far was the most impressive player on the field Sunday, in my opinion, creating chance after chance after chance. I mean, Rick Carlson could have had three goals to him to himself, but he just couldn't get the curl on the ball to put it in the back stick, which he could have which he had plenty of opportunities and plenty of attempts to do. It just wasn't going to find the back of the net no matter how hard he tried. But I think Rick Carlson was by far the most impressive player on the field Sunday for Everton. The most impressive part about Jaimez's game, though, was his ability to drift inside, almost like an extra center midfielder to receive the ball and distribute from that position. You always saw him. There was times throughout the game where he all of a sudden he wasn't on the right-hand side of the field anymore. He wasn't touchline. He wasn't lined up against the left back for Tottenham you saw him kind of right in the middle of the park within the center circle extended and that's where he did damage as well it wasn't so much that Jaimez is just an outside mid or mid for that 4-2-3-1 it's the fact that he has the ability to do that but he also has the ability to come inside and play as almost what seemed to be a 10 when you push up the other center mid into the attack line next to Calvert-Lewin but it's impressive that he has this in his game, and it's something that I don't think we've seen from Jaimez in a really long time since he first was bought by Real Madrid in 2016 for £60 million after the World Cup year where he was so impressive with Colombia down in Brazil. But I, I think Jaimez is going to, if he can play the way he played against Tottenham, if he gets more than 50% of the minutes allowed, I think think we can see Jaimez rejuvenate his career within this Ancelotti side at Everton. And I think with the players around him, the league he's in, playing on certain playing under Ancelotti again, a manager who believes in him. Every player will tell you when you have a manager who believes in you, your whole game changes, your whole mood changes, your whole, everything changes about you. You enjoy coming to practice. So you look to get better. You enjoy playing games. You enjoy everything so much more than when playing for a manager who doesn't believe in you. And I think we're going to see the best of Jaimez Rodriguez this year with Everton. Another signing for Everton was Allen, who also put in a good shift at the defensive center midfield position. Thought he did an excellent job screening the back line and getting stuck in the tackles to disrupt play from Tottenham when trying to get the ball into Deli Ali or Harry Kane's feet. We'll get in more into Deli Ali and Harry Kane a little later when we break down Tottenham a little more. But Allen, I thought he did really good. He got in the tackles, he disrupted play, and you always saw him getting in the tackles. You always saw him breaking it up play, and that's what you want to see from your six. And I think any coach will tell you you he did an excellent job screening that back line, which is exactly what you're looking to asking them to do. You're asking them to cut the angles into the defend into the forward's feet and that's exactly what he did and I thought Ancelotti put him in a per- terrific position to succeed in that. Got the Corre, I thought he did an excellent job. At Watford he played more of a 10, but you could see that he's not suited for the 10. He's more suited for the 8. The box-to-box midfield, the midfielder who gets stuck in the tackles and my goodness, you saw him get stuck into one, especially the game goal saying 
goal saving tackle I think the toe poke back to Jordan Pickford on that breakaway and that's what you see you see a box-to-box midfielder when you look at Decora and that's exactly why he was in that side and why he was playing more of an eight rather than a 10. I think at Watford he was forced to play a 10 more because you at Watford you didn't really have those options you didn't have a true 10 to really win you games and when you're in a relegation battle you're going to do whatever you can to win games and I think that's what got him put into that 10 position Everton just seemed to move the ball with purpose in that midfield and get the ball forward into positions which proved to be dangerous and speaking of dangerous positions let's talk about the goal that proved to be the difference in this game coming in the 55th minute where Carlson once again we're we're back on Carlson once again giving the Tottenham back line trouble gets fouled drawing a free kick for Everton close to the touchline on the left hand side there has been some discussion about the placement of the ball whether it mattered if it didn't matter it's it's hard to say and it happened what happened happened if we can nobody's perfect the referee could have easily seen it and Mourinho definitely questioned it after the goal happened so whether it would have changed anything you're not you're not really sure Either way, it happened. What happened, happened. We can't go back and change the past now. But So to break down the goal, Allen and Luca Dean standing over the ball, but with the kick coming on the left side of the field, it was always going to be Luca Dean, the outswinger, delivering this ball into the box. And my God, what a beauty of a ball he put in for Calvert-Lewin to charge onto with his head and put a blistering header in the back of the net that left Lourdes standing still like he was stuck in the mud. It was a beautiful goal. Allen runs over the ball. Luca Dean, who strikes the ball really beautifully with his left foot, comes up, crosses the ball in, little outswinger, Calvert-Lewin, always winning that ball in the air as a forward as a true number nine puts the ball in the back end in that and that proved to be the difference for Everton outside of that I mean this Everton Everton team is going to be one to really keep your eye on after the signings after this game against Tottenham and you can sit there and say well it's Tottenham it's Mourinho Tottenham have struggled in the past they're struggling still but this Everton Everton team really put in a shift it for 90 minutes and really grinded out a really good result and played pretty well in my opinion and they deserved in my opinion they deserved the one nothing win they probably should have had more Ricarlson had the breakaway after beating Lloris to the left side that he kind of kicked his own foot and kind of put the ball over unfortunately curled a couple more but other than that this ever team this Everton team is one to really keep your eye on and one that could prove to be dangerous within the Premier League looking at Tottenham now we talked about it before it took them 20 minutes to get settled into the game from there they seemed to open the game up up a bit came out in a 4-4-2 with Deli Ali accompanying Harry Kane up top while on the topic of Deli Ali and Harry Kane as a forward the movement is crucial your off ball movement is crucial to creating goal scoring opportunities to get the ball at your feet to really get into the attacking third and you really didn't see that from Harry Kane or Deli Ali you saw Harry Kane dropping back into the midfielder almost as a false nine to receive the ball but why is one of the best strikers in the world coming back into the midfield to receive the ball when you have other midfielders one like Deli Ali who can come back and get the ball at his feet and play it just doesn't make sense why we have a striker who has proved himself year after year when it comes to scoring goals and one of the best strikers in the world coming back to receive a ball. I don't know if his game plan or 
he's trying to take it on himself and do what he needs to do to win a game. But if I'm a, if I'm Mourinho or I'm a fan of Tottenham, I want Harry Kane to be making runs in behind the center backs, behind the back line, getting the ball at his feet higher up the field so he can make things happen. A little layoff in the top of the 18 or higher up the field to Deli Ali or a player underneath him and not receiving the ball deeper right on top of the back line of his own team receiving the ball and having to drop it back to a center back or an outside back. I want his drop back pass to be to a center mid, not to a defenseman. So that's my opinion on Harry Kane. I think he needs to stay higher more. I think he can prove that he can score more and more by staying higher. Do Tottenham need another forward or another striker to sign? Yes. I think that can really help Harry Kane, or at least, especially if they're looking to play a 4-4-2, have Harry Kane stay up higher, bring in another forward, one that can get the ball at his feet, drop it back, the one that drops back into the midfield to receive the ball, but let Harry Kane stay higher. Having Harry Kane drop back into deep into the midfield is not going to score goals for Tottenham, and that's not the way a fan is hoping the season's going to go. So we're going to get into Deli Ali now. We mentioned him first off. Deli, what is going on with that facial hair, man? That facial hair is just as bad as your performance against Everton. And let me just say, your performance was pretty horrendous from an outside point of view. And I think there's a lot of Tottenham fans who might agree with me on that. Those he, though you've had some injuries, this is not the same Deli Ali who was one of the most promising English midfielders in previous years. Telly, you used to play with so much flair in your game, but that has seemed to just disappear. Does Deli Ali need a change of scenery, or is it simply a new role within the team? That was a question that really came into my mind watching Deli Ali against Everton. Every pass he got at his feet, he was losing or he was completing a pass that was really simple. There's no there's no flair within his game anymore. He used to get the ball at his feet and take defenders on with ease, but it's just not the same. So I don't know what's going on with Deli Ali. I wish I did because I'm sure if you can figure out Deli Ali, a lot of pieces can start fitting back into play. Because when you have a midfield of Deli Ali's caliber prior to this year, last year, when he was younger and promising, that Deli Ali performances can change a whole entire game. But right now, you're just not getting that from Dali Ali. And I think whether it's the facial hair that needs to go or he needs to go or a player needs to come in just to provide him some sort of support, it's Dali Ali. You need to find, he needs to find his ground again. He needs to get back to how he was before, whether it's the pressure coming onto him because Dali Ali used to be a lot of fun to watch. He used to always have a smile on his face playing, used to play with a lot of flair like I've said, but lately it's not there. And it's it's disappointing because both from a Tottenham side, but also from an English supporter, you're looking, this England team is looking to get further and further along. Gareth Southgate's doing a great job, I believe. He's bringing in players. And sooner or later, that England team is going to succeed. But players like Dele Ali were once the next generation of this English team. And Dele Ali is going to struggle to get called into the teams more and more and get playing time with the night England team if he can't figure out his domestic situation and can't figure out what's going on with him he needs to get back to the Delhi Ali we used to all know when he was younger but again he got taken off at halftime 
that certainly did not give him the chance to write his poor performance. That seemed to see him have more incomplete passes than completed passes, which I talked about. So that's my take on Deli Ali. I thought the midfield was okay for Tottenham. They really they didn't really look to break the line as much when they when they were in possession. It was apparent that they were looking to break the lines of Everton midfield, but there was no urgency in the passes to do it. So it was kind of like two-tailed story again. And again, I mean, the urgency, like the idea was there. You saw what they wanted to do, but it wasn't quick enough. It wasn't urgent enough. They seemed to just be okay passing the ball side to side, which again, like I've mentioned before, the old man Mourinho style, it's what you expect from a Mourinho team. It's just, it's not good enough right now. It's not good enough for the Premier League. It's not good enough to keep them in contention for Europe. It's it's just not good enough. And whether it's Mourinho who needs to go or what, but it's not there for him and it's not good good enough. The urgency wasn't there. Lots of square passes that just seemed to go nowhere for him. Harry Winks had the ball a lot at his feet, but most of his passes went side to side. And it's it became frustrating even as a neutral. You're looking to have an exciting game and you're looking for Tottenham to possibly pull one back especially late in the game but there was nothing there they went down one nothing in the 55th minute it took them a little bit to find the urgency to create chances and go forward after you go down especially a team of Tottenham's potential and Tottenham's caliber they have a lot of really good international players team players that play for the national team at the highest levels and when you go down one nothing especially as a fan you're looking for that team to push for goals to push to get into the attacking third looking for dangerous chances but after they went down in the one nothing in the 55th minute it took them until the 75th minute it seemed to even get into the attacking third to look even dangerous which didn't really produce any dangerous goal scoring opportunities either i think jordan pickford could have probably sat back there and had a cup of tea a couple brews during this game and he would have been fine that's my take on this everton tottenham game tottenham really have to dig deep into the transfer window Mourinho has stated numerous times that he wants to bring in a forward to accompany Harry Kane, and I think the board needs to finally give the money for him to do that. That's the only way this team's going to succeed, I think, whether that's a forward of Harry Kane's caliber or a forward just to accompany him to get the ball in the midfield like I talked about to allow Harry Kane to stay up higher because Harry Kane coming back deep into the midfield is not going to win you games because then you're just leaving Deli Ali up there up top and Deli Ali is not a forward. He's barely a midfielder at this point in time in his career right now. So there's a lot of questions for this Tottenham team to answer and to talk about, but going back, Everton looked Everton looked brilliant. Lots of danger. Ricarlson on the left side, James on the right side you got Allen now Andre Gomez really put in a shift too I thought he did really well um but that's my take on that game Everton are gonna continue to look good I think Tottenham have a lot of questions to ask but that's my take hopefully you guys enjoyed that section as being a college coach I really look I really have fun doing that type of stuff looking in the games a bit deeper finding the stats and really breaking down the game a little bit if you enjoyed that let me know so getting in the next week we're going to talk about the highlight game next week is going to be chelsea liverpool depending on what kind of feedback i get i'm going to plan for chelsea liverpool next week if you guys didn't like this segment just let me know i'll be honest i'll change it up a little bit i'll look to add a little different stuff into it but that's 
going to be the plan for next week Chelsea Liverpool probably look to do another goal of the week I kind of enjoyed that there were a lot of good goals to choose from hopefully we can have another exciting weekend of match day two within the Premier League I can't believe it's already the second week first week is I'm still trying to get my heart rate down from the Liverpool Leeds game but we're right back into it in the second week match day two on Saturday a lot of good games coming up so I'm looking forward to that so that that wraps it up for week three of the away fixture guys like always please go subscribe to the podcast on Spotify Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast at I really enjoy talking to you guys every week i enjoy bringing this news to you this info to you my opinions if you don't already follow the social media go follow the social media on instagram and twitter at the away fixture both of them are um for twitter and instagram leave ratings leave reviews i always like reading the reviews let me know if you guys want something that i didn't bring you or i haven't brought you yet or just want to let me know how well I'm doing. I always appreciate the feedback. So that's going to wrap it up, guys. I will see you next week. Next Tuesday, we'll be right back here for another segment. Have fun, guys. Have a great weekend. I'll see you guys later. Peace.